0: We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Join the Nintendo Fine Club today, Mac. Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and it is time for another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. As always, we have got quite the show for you today. It is going to be a fun time, I promise you it is going to be a fun time, and I'm going to make sure that it's a fun time. Um... So yeah, starting with uh, what is new over at LowBiasGaming.net, since the last time we spoke, we have uh, a new Let's Play from Scarlet, actually he's been streaming this, so it's not completely new if um, you have been following his streams at twitch.tv slash LowBiasScarlet, but um, it is what it is, and it is um, Darkest Dungeon. Uh, the first five videos of his series are up on the website right now. Um, Jason brings us two new episodes of Final Fantasy VII, as well as an episode of Commander Keen Goodbye Galaxy. Um, Scarlet brings us, uh, let's see, three episodes of Dynasty Warriors 8 Extreme Legends, um, as well as three episodes of Orphan Scion of Sorcery. And, uh, oh... Um, I guess there are two new episodes of Commander Keen Goodbye Galaxy. There is one tucked away there that I did not see quite right away. Um, we have also a new episode of Mystery Science Theater up on um, the forums. Season 5, Episode 7. I accuse my parents getting ever closer to um, Joel's final episode featuring Joe Don Baker. I think we all know which episode that is. Unless unless you haven't seen the original Mystery Science Theater 3000. And if that's the case, well, why don't you go see it? We have it up on the website, available for your perusal. All right. Well, that uh, is it for the beginning of the show. Let us go on to what um, comes next, which is, you know, music and stuff. Music is good. You like music, right? You like music, right? You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKU, eighty-eight point one FM Halifax.
1: McDonald's. New-
0: listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Uh, That song was uh, Happy Adventure, Delightful Adventure by Yoko Shimamura and is uh, the title theme of today's game from the archives. Oh boy. One moment please. That's not the one. That's the one. Mario returns in this incredible new role playing adventure. His latest rival is Smithy, a menacing creature who causes fear and treachery in the Mushroom Kingdom. Mario must recover seven stars and repair the Star Road before he can make his way to Bowser's Castle for a final confrontation with Smithy. Powerful weapons, sinister spells, and other useful items help Mario to complete his harrowing journey. New friends and old allies support him along the way. Even Bowser lends a hand. This is Super Mario RPG. It's obviously an RPG game for the Super Nintendo. um, Developed by Squaresoft and published by Nintendo and released in 1996. Uh, It is quite the uh, interesting system and um, the interesting game, rather. And, uh, yeah, it goes beyond what... um, what has ever been mentioned of uh, the Super Mario world, especially at that point and um, comes up with some interesting fight mechanics. Uh, In any case uh, there are 23 episodes at LowBiasGaming.net by yours truly and I think it is worth a watch You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax (coughs) That was Chronoscape with, uh, sorry, Cart Maze with Chronoscape from the brand new Chiptunes Equals Win Volume 7. And you're listening to Squarewave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And it is time, as usual, for the news of the weird. And as as mentioned previously, I am looking for something different than news of the weird, but also in a... uh, digest format like it so that i'm not reading the same news as jason is for electric leftovers in any case i do not read these stories ahead of time and some of these may not jive well with all audiences this segment is usually about 12 to 14 minutes long so take that as you will our lead story, mmm, tastes like chicken. In Plymouth, Massachusetts on August 17th, a friendly game at Souther's Marsh Go- Golf Club turned ugly when Derek Hawkins, 46, and an unnamed seven- 57-year-old man got into a brawl on the 18th hole. But you gotta hand it to Harkins. The Patriot ledger reported that he pointedly ended the fight by biting off the other man's finger up to the knuckle, according to Plymouth Police Chief Michael Butieri. the victim from Marshfield, was taken to the hospital but his finger could not be reattached. Harkins was arrested at the scene and charged with assault and battery, mayhem, and disturbing the peace. I've heard of people being competitive in golf. This is the first finger biting I've heard about. It's just a game people, come on. to bite things off? People are not the right way. And animals either. I mean, unless they're dead and have been processed. Undignified death, speaking of. The hap... (laughs) Yes. The happiest place on Earth couldn't work its magic on August 15th when a worker at nearby Harvest Power fell into a vat of oil and grease from Walt Disney World. The plant in Lake Buena Vista, Florida, recycles the resort's food waste then converts it into renewable energy and fertilizer. Hmm. John Kurody, 61, and another worker were emptying the contents of a semi-truck into a vat when Kurody slipped on a grate and fell into the vat. His co-worker tried to pull him out, but the fumes overtook them both and Kurody slid farther in, according to the Washington Post. The Reedy, uh, Reedy Creek Fire Department responded, but Kurody was pronounced dead at the scene. Hmm... Let's move on, shall we? I don't really have anything to say about that one. Smooth reaction. Just like this entire episode so far. Debbie L. McCulley, 57, of Salem, Virginia, has been banned from all future Floyd County High School sporting events, but on the bright side, her indecent exposure case may eventually be dropped following an incident area lawyers are calling Moon Over Floyd. Huh? McCulley's husband, Mark, is the JB softball coach for Glenvar High School, and the charges resulted from Debbie's unusual reaction to her husband's team's loss to Floyd County in May. She stood on or close to the pitcher's mound and pulled down her pants with her right hand to expose her right butt cheek according to Floyd County Sheriff's Deputy G.H. Scott. But Debbie told the officer that her husband had confronted the opposing coach after the game and she was afraid he would be attacked, so to speak. So she was trying to divert attention from the two men. The the Roanoke Times reported that Debbie wrote a letter of apology and will be performing community service. Chris Robinson of the Virginia High School League noted that crowd behavior at games is quote, probably leaning a little bit in the wrong direction, you don't say. Moving right along to some weird science, and I'm not talking about the movie, at least I don't think I am. The United Press International reported that a 42-year-old British woman saw her eye doctor after experiencing swelling and drooping of her eyelid earlier this year. After performing an MRI, doctors discovered a cyst and performed surgery, during which they found a hard contact lens embedded in the eyelid. It turns out that the patient had suffered a blow to the eye 28 years ago and had assumed the lens fell out. She experienced no symptoms until the recent discomfort. Ouch. A hard contact lens? Embedded in the eyelid? (laughs) I can't even imagine. I mean, I wear soft contacts. I've never worn hard contacts and I wouldn't want to, but oh my goodness. Alright, well, with that, let's move on to some annoying things. Two of them, in fact. After 16 years, neighbors of Eva N. in Storovo, Slovakia have gotten relief from her particular brand of torment, reported the BBC. From morning until night, the woman had played a four-minute aria from Giuseppe Verdi's La Traviata over and over, with her speakers on full blast. The whole street is suffering, complained one resident. At first, the music lover played the music to drown out a neighbor's barking dog, but continued the practice until August 6th, when she was arrested for harassment and malicious persecution. If found guilty, she could face between six months and three years in prison. Well, I mean, there's music music lovers, right? Are a thing? Well, I guess that's kind of not the best way to appreciate music that was terrible cool don't try that again our next annoying story a pothole in toronto ontario got a, got a new life as a vegetable garden this summer after area residents grew weary of waiting for the city to repair it the hole, which is several feet deep, had been expanding for months, neighbors said. So they filled it with tomato plants, which are now ripening and getting so tall that they require wire cages for support. Now it's sort of like become the community garden, resident Brian Lang told CBC Radio. Finally, Major- Mayor John Tory has agreed to not only fill the pothole, but to move the tomato plants to a community garden. Well, that's making something good out of a bad situation. Um, yeah, that's kind of a productive thing. And uh, now for an unexpected hazard, hopefully not to do with any of the above. An unnamed Irish teenager's hiking outing became fodder for any number of bad punsters, oh boy. After the boy was hit by a falling sheep while walking in Northern Ireland's Mourne Mountains, the sheep fell from a crag on August 17th and landed on the boy, who was treated for potential injuries to his head, neck, back, abdomen, and leg. It is believed the sheep was uninjured and left the scene unaided, reported Metro News. Punny comments on a social media post made by the Mourne Mountain Rescue Team included, "Mutton been looking where he was going." I bet he's feeling a little sheepish now. And you want to be careful on the mountains. Oh, oh, boy. That was... Oh, oh, my goodness. Don't know. That's awful. Sit down and eat your sandwich. Inexplicable. Uh, On an August 17th flight between Chicago and Narita International Airport in Tokyo, I almost said Narnia, a 24-year-old 24, a 24 American man who was reportedly unprovoked urinated on a 50-year-old Japanese man sitting two rows behind him. Huh? The younger man had consumed at least four glasses of champagne and one cup of sake before the incident, police told Japan Today, and claimed not to remember what he had done. He was restrained aboard the remainder. Uh, he was restrained aboard the remainder of, remainder of the flight and turned over to police in Tokyo. Them Japan folks are kind of weird but I don't think uh, a man will appreciate being urinated upon in a plane or hopefully anywhere else. all takes all kinds. Oops! Uh, Pennsylvania State Police told Lehigh Valley Alive that Evan T. Kasich, 52, of Upper Milford Township was injured on August 16th when he wrecked his motorcycle in his own driveway. Kasich sped into his driveway around 7.30pm and struck a concrete barrier causing him to be thrown from the Honda bike. He was taken to an area hospital with undisclosed injuries and police issued a ticket for driving at an unsafe speed. In his driveway. Huh? The news of the Weird is really hit it, hitting the nail on the head as far as a weird today. Um, good job, uh, editors at Andrews McNeil syndication. Compelling explanation. Near Mason City, Iowa, on August 20th, the Iowa State Patrol pulled over a Ferrari 488 Spider that was clocked going 137 miles an hour during a rainstorm. Not a great idea to drive this fast in the rain, the trooper posted on Facebook with a photo of the radar readout. The unnamed driver, however, wasn't phased. She thought she was going around 100. Fox News reported that if ticketed in a 70 miles per hour zone, the highest speed limit in Iowa, her fine would be $335. Considering she has a Ferrari, she can probably spare that amount and more. Superpowers! Apparently two people with superpowers today, and that'll be it for our news of the weird for today. Phoenix teacher Josiah Weedman, 13, was walking home through a park in early August with a friend when he was struck by a lightning, quote, sending me nine feet into the air, making me bounce on my head and then flip over to my back, he told ABC News. Afterward, doctors put Josiah in a medically induced coma for three days, and when he came to, he made a speedy recovery. His mother, who didn't expect her son to survive, dubbed him Superman, and indeed Josiah said he's waiting for his special powers to kick in. I haven't felt my powers yet, but I will soon, he said. One might even say he's really feeling it. Also Moses Slam, 57, fell 18 feet from a rope in gym class when he was 14 years old. As a result, the Michigan man is now known as Mr. Elastic. Lanham has double cartilage and extra tich- tissue in his knee joints, him- hips, and ankles, which makes it possible for him to turn his, 180, uh, his feet 180 degrees backward and walk. In fact, he tells Metro News walking with his feet pointed behind him is more comfortable than walking normally. I've heard of one other person that can turn his feet but not walk, Lanham said of his fame. When I perform this in front of people, I love the reactions, he said. One time, I actually had a person throw up after I turned my feet around. Oh my. Well, that's a thing, I suppose. Um, so yeah, that is it for today's news, or this week's news, rather. Time for this week's weather, and there's actually a special air quality statement in effect for Halifax. Uh, Apparently, the um, fires out west are really bad. Um, here's how bad they are. A plume of smoke from fires in western Canada is moving at high altitude across the maritimes, causing hazy skies and a reddish sun. This smoke is not expected to reach the surface or affect air quality in our region. The smoke plume will slowly move off to the east tonight. So yeah, that's impressive. Um, yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to the actual weather. Uh, Currently in Halifax, we're looking at a temperature of 25 degrees Celsius, humidex of 28, and uh, mainly sunny, uh, with, of course, some smoke in the air, uh, up high in the air. Tonight, we're looking at a low of 15 degrees and partly cloudy. Saturday, August 25th, mainly sunny and a high of 27, going down to a low of 14 and increasing cloudiness at night. Sunday, August 26th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 23, going down to a low of 19 degrees and a 6% chance of showers at night. Monday, August 27th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 27, going down to a low of 17 degrees and clear skies at night. Tuesday, August 28th, a 30% chance of showers throughout the day and a high of 26 and a low of 18 degrees. Wednesday, August 29th, cloudy throughout the day, high of 25 and a low of 18 degrees. And Thursday, August 30th, cloudy skies and a high of 23 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And uh, let's get some music going, shall we? That was SmileTron with Vestige, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. So, I've been watching an interesting series on YouTube lately and I figured I'd talk a little bit about the subject matter for that series. Before even the days of achievements or online video, people were imposing challenges upon themselves to keep their favorite video games interesting even after playing them dozens of times and having mastered them. Even when you know the game front and back, that doesn't mean there's nothing left to do. There are many uh, different types of self-imposed challenges that a person can take on to infuse new life into these memorized memorables. The most common type of self-imposed challenge is the speedrun. These are the most ubiquitous type of challenge by far. There is no limit to how many different speedruns there are and how many people attempt them. There are even several websites such as Twin Galaxies and speedrun.com, which, bi- which brings speedrunners together from all around the world to decide who's the best in their field. Whether the idea is to complete the game perfectly or just to get to the end the fastest, whether it's a challenge for everyone on the easiest sa- setting or one for masters only on the hardest, there are speedruns for everyone. Just pick up your favorite game and play it until you can do it in your sleep, then do it as fast as you can. A popular sub uh, sub subgenre for the speedrun is the race. Competing against the clock is one thing, but some people want to prove their worth against someone else in real time. This has a new dimension to the concept of the speedrun, where one often has a specific time they're trying to beat. Meanwhile in a race, you don't know what time your opponent is going to get. As is often the case, for instance, in a race which is being streamed online, you may not even know how far in your opponent has made it. All there really is to do is bear down and do your best. Of course, there are other types of challenge runs. Maybe playing through a platform without running, or even without jumping. Playing through a shooter without shooting, playing through an RPG without leveling up. Well, here are a few specific runs which I think stand out. Super Mario Sunshine is a 3D platformer game developed and published by Nintendo and released in Canada on September 14, 2002, for some reason two and a half weeks after the American release. Eh. In this game, Mario travels with Princess Peach and, Tr- and Chancellor Toesworth to Delfino Island, where he's immediately apprehended, having been accused of vandalizing the entire island and is sentenced, sentenced to cleanup duty. He's given a device called Flash Liquidizing Ultra Dousing Device, or Flood, which is basically a portable water-power-wash pack with interchangeable nozzle settings for additional functions and maneuverability. (sighs) However, one person decided not to play into this marketing shenaniganry and took it upon himself to play through through the entire game, collecting 93 of the game's 120 shine sprites as a without using any of the alternate nozzles. No hover nozzle, no rocket nozzle, no turbo nozzle, just the default spray nozzle and a combination of of tricky and creative jumps to get where it needs to go. RJ Waters managed to do this and it was quite the undertaking. His series is 101 videos long, keeping in mind it started during the days of 11, 11 minute time limits, with the first video having been posted on April 26, 2009, and the last going up on October 30th, 2010. That's right, this series took a year and a half to complete definitely not an undertaking for the light-hearted, but this proof of concept is definitely a sight to behold. Just keep in mind that at this time RJ wasn't exactly a stickler for video quality, so expect lots of disparity in quality from part to part, particularly early on in the series. The original Spyro the Dragon is also a 3D platform game developed by Insomniac Games and published by Sony Computer Entertainment and released in North America on September 9th, 1998. When in an interview that is apparently televised, eh, one of the many dragons of mm, wherever's land brags about their riches bad badmouths' nasty Nork. the latter uh, the latter casts a spell which encases the dragons into crystal and transforms much of the treasure into his Nork minions. However, due to his small stature, a Purple Dragon whelp named Spyro was spared from the curse and thus takes it upon himself to restore the world to its original state. One of the distinguishing features of the Spyro games is the titular character's ability to glide between platforms to reach new areas of the many open-world levels in his travels. However, someone decided that this mechanic was completely unnecessary and decided to play through the game without gliding. Once again, RJ Waters is the one doing these crazy things. This 18-video series is a lot more piffy than the Sunshine series, most likely owing to to the generally more open gameplay and the lack of episodic levels. All the dragons and all the treasure are fully available to the player from the get go. Unless of course you're ignoring one of the the game's major components. However, through a combination of manipulating the game's mechanics and figuring out a very specialized jumping method to get maximum distance, he was able to make it through the game freeing 73 of the game's 80 dragons and finding 9,428 of the 12,000 was it 14,000, treasure and every single one of the purloined dragon eggs. The original Super Mario Brothers. Is a 2D platformer game developed and published by Nintendo and released in North America in 1985. It's the first time Bowser rears his head at the, as the menace of the Mushroom Kingdom that he is, capturing Princess Toadstool as she was known in North America at the time, and transforming the mushroom people into coins, bricks, and edible super mushrooms. Yes, that is the actual story of the game. Yes, it means that Mario is a mass murderer and you probably never even realized it. Moving on. Another fairly common type of challenge run is the score attack where you try to get as many points as possible. However, some someone was not entirely sure on the concept of what that entailed and decided to run through the game getting the least possible score. This is the paragon of asceticism in Mario games. Not entirely sure, yes that's his username, manages to make it through the game using the shortest path through with a par- paltry total of 500 points, achieved by allowing the timer to reach uh, zero before touching the very base of the five flagpoles encountered in this path, as well as a bit of uh, game mechanics abuse to get up to a high pipe which would normally require the player to hit a hidden, blo- uh, hidden coin block to reach. This 9 minute video is a much quicker example of what can be done to challenge a player who has truly practiced and puzzled the a game. Nowadays, in most games, we have achievements to tell us which challenges we should try to accomplish. However, that wasn't always the case, and even today people are finding ways to keep their favorite games interesting all on their own, and watching these runs can provide someone with hours of entertainment and might even inspire some people to do better at them or find even crazier ways to break games. The only way to find out what's coming up though is to keep on watching. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM, Halifax. that was ultramarine by bit rat from his album test subject and you're listening to square wave symphony on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax for our next segment i found a thing and i would like to share that thing with you in a segment that i like to call i found a thing and this thing is about a little cartoon that uh, came out about 23 years ago called toy story um now i don't have a whole lot of time to go through this article and it's fairly lengthy if you want to look up the whole thing it is uh from uh the verge it is called Toy Story 20 Years Later, How Pixar made its first blockbuster and is written by Brian Bishop. But there is one part in, it in particular that I found kind of interesting that I wanted to tell you about. While Pixar had been making commercials and shorts for years, producer Galen Sussman said that the young studio drastically underestimated the resources needed to pull off a feature-a full-length feature. We thought that we would be able to animate the entire film with 8 animators, she said. That didn't happen. We ended up with 33. The same went with staffing across the board, from editorial to those working on lighting and the computer models, but the most dramatic gap was in raw computing power. According to Sussman, the Pixar team initially thought they could render the film over 20 months using 53 processors. Each of the of the machines in the render farm was named after an animal, and when it completed a frame, it would play the corresponding animal's sound. The number of machines eventually grew to 300, but that e- but even that pales in comparison to the computing power Pixar wheels today. Sussman said that the company now has 23. 1,000 processors at its disposal enough to render the entire the original Toy Story in real time That's saying something, but can you imagine just sitting in that? uh, Server farm and it is it literally sounds like a farm It sounds like a zoo practically just animals all over the place crying out for dear life Just imagine that for a moment while I go to some more music. You're listening to Squarewave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. that was uh ember by cubby and that rounds off our show for today it is a uh, time for us to part but we shall meet again next week with some more stuff and things and things and stuff um what those things are i don't know but we'll find out and it will be exciting and it'll be fun and we are going to have a good time In any case, Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Namiki, Noriyuki Kamikura, Simon Whittington. Uh, Deck Pink Projects, and, and Snare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU followed by the Witching Hour Sun and Sea at 7pm and the Nighttime Podcast at 830 30. Comments, questions, want to get your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time.